And so we, um, as Sean said, we are in a new sermon series just before the end of the month. Um, we're going to massage this in quite often, but what is our theme for next year, 2023, Innovation Global? Anyone? Year of Miracles, baby. Come on. Oh, not baby. Amen. Okay, we can't say baby, um, but we can. Okay. And so tonight um, is such a privilege for me to be here, not only because um, you are here, but because Yaku is overseas with Rie, can you believe it? Uh, they flew yesterday, and um, yeah, we're just very excited about uh, what God is going to do just in Manila with him, with him and also in um, the U.S. of A. They're joining campus ministry, and, and Rie is going to return back from, from, um, from Manila, I think, and then Yaku is going to stay behind and, uh, and, and fly to, to the U.S. Um, but we're going to pray for them as well, uh, just um, uh, keep them in our hearts. Uh, who was here in our VIP um, meetings in the week? Anyone? Uh, that was great. Thank you so much for coming. It's really an awesome privilege having great leaders. Can you stand up quickly? Uh, this is not a tap on the back. Or if you're a Connect Group leader or LG leader, uh, and if you are serving in our, in our uh, church, I want you to stand up quickly. Uh, let's give these guys a nice hand of applause. Come on. That is amazing. <clears throat> and now... My computer does not want to put on, switch on at all. I think I dropped it maybe too hard. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. You should try. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it's flat. Yeah, the charger is in there. All right. So, um, so what is worship? If we if we start off by sermon students going into uh, how to worship a king, uh, we must obviously know what ki- a kingship is. And so I don't know if you've watched uh, the whole Europe um, going all ballistic with the new king being inaugurated. Have you seen it? There's a lot happening there. So the queen died, 93, I think, 94. Now that's a long, that's, if you're a cricket lover, that's a long innings, eh? That's just, wow. And so she's done such a great job just uh, ruling, but then she gave over to her uh, when she died, she gave over to her, her, her son, um, and, and there was a lot of things happening, given over, he had to sign things, then there was the problem with the pen, and it was all crazy, I don't know if you've seen it, it was like, wow, what's happening, and, and there's a rulership, but there's also, I don't know, um, but ultimately, what, when we look at worship, uh, they need something, an object, a thing, a person, a, a, a king, a god, to be worshipped too. Otherwise, worship doesn't make sense. And so I remember when I was growing up, music was an incredibly big part of just who I am. I don't know if you know, I'm loud. Sometimes I'm screaming while I'm preaching. It's lovely. And so I get so excited. Uh, and so I have really high highs and really low lows. And if you look at my redemption gifts, um, grace is one of them. And so when you have the redemptive gift, the gift of grace... You feel in, uh, intently, intentionally, very deeply when someone shares something like someone, when someone is going away to another province, your heart bounces up and down. You are glad, but you are not. You're happy, but you are, you're mad sad. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks. Yes, we can give him a round of applause. And so there is something about worshiping a, 
a living God, which Sean referred to, that God is not just a God. Um, he is the only God. Amen? And so tonight we're going to look at that. Um, and I want us to pray before we start for the Word of God, because I believe something um, has been prepared in our spirits right throughout this year, from abiding to every sermon series that you and I have gone through, to this moment where God is asking things of us, and He's sharing a spotlight over the thing He wants us to, to, to receive tonight. So let's close our eyes and let's pray over the Word. Thank you, Father God, that we can bless you. You say where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And when we agree upon something, it will be so. And we agree, Father God, that you're a good God. We agree tonight, Father God, that you're a living God. You are not dead, Lord. We agree tonight, Father God, for from every part of, of who we are, um, Father God, that you have woven us in our mother's womb. You know who we are. We do not have to wonder about it. We know you know who we are. And I pray tonight, Father God, like every other Sunday, that we will understand how great you are and how small we are compared to. And although you love us so much and you created us uh, to have relationship with Father God, there's no way for us to move a, a beyond or think we are more than you. No, King. Jesus, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth, and through your word. And, and I pray tonight, Father God, that, that there will be a, a knowing of what worship is. Um, tonight, Father God, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And I want you to say to me, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Move in my heart. Change my thoughts, my patterns, so that it will align with the kings, in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. So when I grew up in worship as well, uh, there was, was this worship leader that had a massive effect in my life. Um, but ultimately, we went away for worship camp. The whole weekend was a camp. And then everyone that came with an instrument uh, was allowed to have a slot of worship in the whole weekend. It was awesome. They taught you. They knew about um, you. But also, you... There were sessions, there were, we were laying on our faces in front of God sometimes, but there was a moment where you could worship, you could lead everyone in worship. And sort of like a teaching moment weekend. And there was this one uh, young guy, 16 years old, they allowed him with a guitar on, <clears throat> and it was really terrible. It was like really bad. And we, everyone was like looking around, and the guy who organized this, there was about 200 worshipers together, and he stepped in right in front of everyone and went, go on, my boy, you're doing so well. Yeah, yeah just go on. It's lovely. It's great. And, and there's something that happened that I learned about worship, that it's not what we hear. It's what we hear. It's not the sound that's coming out, which I think is quite important to lead people in worship, isn't it? Okay, but ultimately, I heard this saying that said that if God was deaf, that how would He hear us, but He listens to our spirits? That if that worship is true, it's true worship. It's not just the sound, or are they singing on a note, and oh, it's that worship leader, oh, I'm not going to sing together tonight, or uh, it's not, that doesn't work like that. When a king is sitting on a throne, and we enter his throne room, 
We bow down lower than He is. Amen? There's no question. Do you know one day you and I will stand in front of God and the bickering that we have in our families or with your best friend or the things that someone has done against you, do you, do you know that you won't be able to accuse someone in front of God for what they've done against you? The glory of God will be too heavy. There'll be too much of Him. There's no room for accusation. There's no room for sin. There's no room for anything else. It is His glory. And because He is sinless, we won't be able to stand in front of Him. We'll be face down on the floor. Everyone okay? Out of worship a king. In the next three weeks, we're going to see how we do it. Next, year, next week, I'm very excited. Uh, Belinda Wrigley from our Rosebank uh, congregation is going to do both services, morning and evening, all about worship. And she's going to speak about how using your body in worship creates um, an effect in the spirit world out of the physical uh, to impact the, the spiritual or the other way around as well. But that's going to be incredible. So invite someone. Uh, she is weird. I mean, I'm weird, but she's next level worship weird. I love her so much. She brings something so new to the table. Uh, it is incredible. Who was here when Andrew Gosman came the evening service? The one with the hat. Oh, he's also weird. He's my brother. And so I love him so much. But ultimately, how to worship a king is preparing your heart, is prepare the, your world and prepare the way. So ultimately, when we prepare our hearts for true worship, the world will be impacted. Our friendship circles, our work circles, our families will be impacted. If it's true worship, they will be impacted. And then we prepare the way for God to come back a second time. Jesus, the king, is returning. Make a way. Make a way, he's coming back. So the first time Jesus came, he came to do what? He came to seek and save the lost. What is he doing the second time around? Oh, he's coming to rule. He's coming to fetch his children. And he's coming to judge. The judge is on his way. And so for us to move through this, we need to make sure tonight, uh, I'm not going to talk about um, the, free, for, for, yeah, the, the, the lights and the and the show of, 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 of worship, um, Eddie Hyatt said this about worship. He said, someone said this, that when we pray, we are occupied with our needs. When we praise and give thanks, we are occupied with our blessings. But when we worship, we are occupied only with God. See, there's something in worship when everything is dealt with already. We put our emotions aside. We put um, our circumstances aside. It is all about Him. Amen? When last were you and I there? When last were you there where your worship was just all about Him? So I know the musical vehicle that we use is is gospel music. And if I look at our music out on the outside of church, um, we, there's a few trends that we're following, but it's one of the only forms um, given to humanity to engage with the Trinity uh, in such a manner that, that we as a collective would sing together. It's the weirdest thing. I heard someone say before, it's like, it's like gospel karaoke when we do what we do in front. 
Because there's words and we follow, but then there's singers, and, but, but we don't clap for them, we clap for them. It's weird to lost people. It is. Oh, but if we do it right, if we do it right. And so, and so music moves us. I don't know if you have your favorite movie, but just think of movies with intense moments without those music notes that make them, that locks open our emotions. Do you have a movie like that that you can remember? Something that if it plays, you go, ah, not just the Jaws theme, I mean like anyone else like, but ultimately music moves the bodies, it inspires us to move, to sway, to dance. Um, it quickens or slowens rhythm in our hearts. It, it changes things here. Music moves our souls, and music is a powerful antenna for us. It's almost like every generation. You know what mine is? It's footloose. Take off your Sunday shoes. We Okay, it's the movie and the song, and it was big. And then there's another one. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame, darling. You give... A bad name. Okay. And so there's, there's generational music that has such a massive impact in us that when we sing it out, people just sing together. Amen? That's quite amazing. But the musical vehicle is not enough. It's not what it's about. It's not the focus. And um, so one day, so we were in a worship set. It went really well. I mean, all my vocals were there, and it was beautiful. I was just... So, I was just still learning how to worship and, 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 and gather a church. And, um, uh, yeah, because and I believe there's, there's a, a metron of grace that worship leaders get for sizes of, and the capacity of, of, of churches. Uh, you, can, you can lead worship in your connect, and then you can, there's 12 people or four, but then you, there's a metric of, of leading 100, then there's a metric of leading 1,000. And we have someone in our movement that led thousands of people at, at one stage all together with worship, and it worked for me. There's a blessing for that. But ultimately, uh, when this person came to me, they were really uh, infatuated by the worship, and, and I knew what it was, but they said, and they uttered these words, and they said, um, uh, I love... I loved your music, loved your voice and the singing, but I knew what it was and I couldn't keep anything back for myself because I knew what they experienced was the presence of God. It was true worship. Amen? Have you ever been in a worship set where you go, I don't know how we're going to redo this, but this was the most amazing thing. It wasn't just the music. It was the meeting up with the Holy Spirit and the presence of a living God. Amen? Come on, man. And so I'm so excited. To, um, so I know that they didn't have the vocabulary to um, express what they really wanted to say. They really wanted to say there was something else in the room. They experienced this presence of God, but they didn't have the, the words to say it. Um, they were trying to put their words together and verbalize it. Um, but they have experienced something in church which the church has not given them the vocabulary for. They have experienced worship. And because God responds to worship, they have experienced God's presence. Does it make sense? The ineffable presence of God is something that we cannot duplicate, try and make up in our own. doesn't matter how high or low you sing, 
doesn't matter how great you dance, nothing can bring it if it's true worship from our side. God will respond with His presence. Amen? We have done our congregation and congregations a great disservice by allowing them to think that worship is a type of music, a genre. If worship is only music, it can be categorized in styles and volume, and it can be packaged and marketed. Um, We can judge it if it is pleasing um, or appropriate or displeasing and inappropriate. We can decide whether we will engage in that worship based on how good it is or not. We can sometimes go, it wasn't that good, I didn't feel it. Ah, the worship wasn't good. Have you been there before? If songs does not express my preferred style or reflect my current mood, then I do not have to like or to, to, I don't have to participate in it at all. You see the problem. If worship is music, we can market it. If we can become spectators, consumers, we can even judge it. In other words, worship becomes a thing for the people and not for God. If worship is for people, then people are the objects of worship. If people are the objects of worship, then we are gods unto ourselves. I want you to hear me today. If God is not the focus, and you can judge worship on how, based on how good it was and my experience of church that day, you are in the wrong. It's not about you. It's about the king. And when the king steps in, we are face down. There's nothing that holds us back. We cannot stand in His presence alone. We are not perfect yet. Do you know there's some things that we won't understand or grasp or that our heads won't be able to go around about how great God is ultimately? You know, He just allows us a little bit to see that we will be amazed to see who the full picture of the Father is. What Jesus um, Uh, encapsulate for us now is going to break open and it's going to shock us into worshiping him more. The angels around the throne of God worships him 24-7, flying around his throne going holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And so when I read this, when I understand it, I go, Lord, I am so sorry what have I made of worship, of church worship, of personal intent? I remember a time when I was a student. Um, I was 19. Uh, I just came back uh, from, from a service year of Christ. and was, I was excited about Jesus. Then I would get a towel over my shoulder. I told the VIP guys. I would get a bucket of water and I'd go, Jesus, I'm going to wash your feet tonight. But I'll, then I'll make sure everything's closed and the lights are off. Otherwise, the neighbors would think I'm really crazy. But I was. Who in their right mind washes Jesus' feet. I thought it was a good idea. I loved it. I connected with the king. I worshipped him. There was this vineyard movement, almost like Hillsong or whatever is running today. Vineyard was big in those days. And there was a worship CD from Canada, and they had this native Indian music song. I literally went for the Lord that night. I mean, it was crazy. I, I loved it. There was no one there. God knew my heart. He understood my motive. The presence of the Lord is real, 
when our motives, the motive of our heart is, has got nothing to do with you and me, nothing to do with regaining something, nothing of receiving something. So when I went to Thailand, uh, there was this church, and the, the worship was, re- oh, wow, it was horrifically bad. Uh, <clears throat> and when I wanted to utter something to the Lord about it, I woke up on the floor because the presence of, the God, was, of God was there. I woke up with other expats going, what happened? I think it was the word, I think it was the word of God hitting us. It, got, it had nothing to do with the music or the quality of it. God was in that room. And when the king steps in, you step back. When the king um, walks by you, you don't even look at him or be killed. Do you know Moses had a moment with God in the presence of him? He said, I wanted to see your face. He said, if you do, you'll die. Do you remember that? He hid him in a rock ledge. What do you call it? A a skier. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, a skier. I don't know what that is. (laughs) So if we get the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit was carried, the presence of God was carried within this tabernacle, and the camp of Reuben, the camp of Ephraim, camp of Dan, camp of Reuben, camp of Judah, uh, and ultimately uh, they were situated around almost like a cross moment. Can you see it? But there was really big intent. You, there were so many rules for you to follow, to experience the presence of God. We can spend six weeks on this tabernacle alone, and it won't be enough. So I don't want to stand still right there right now. There is something in my heart which I want to come to. There's two things for me that are so important when we speak about worship. Um, and, and there's just something. Do you know what was stolen with music when Lucifer got kicked out of heaven? He's not, he's not stupid. He's creative. He was created by the Creator. And so therefore has a lot of talent. Amen? But ultimately the, the, the tug of warrior in music is our souls. In dancing is our hearts. And ultimately, not on this earth, but the next life. And so sometimes we stand, and I've seen, I've seen this happening, where I'm, I'm, I'm in a worship set, the band's doing great, the music is awesome, and it's almost like someone's standing up and go, are you not entertained? That moment, eh? And, and that's not what we're after. Because nothing that the world can give, you and me, can sustain us. And so... When we get to this, there are two things that, that I know the Word of God is, is correct on. And, and when we look at it, um, I want to speak something over you tonight. Um, instead of disciple for now, which I won't get away from because our movement is disciple-based, so don't worry, we'll get back to that. But I am going to speak over you bond servants. You know, there's two things, two different ways of the Bible explaining a slave and a bondservant. The one is when a slave is brought up, he's bought out. He is flogged to do the work for the king. That's a slave, but God has saved us out of slavery. But what he has called us to is being a bondservant. And so when I look at every time in the New Testament of I've done a, a, a bit of research 
Paul calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1.1. Paul and Timothy calls themselves bondservants in Philippians 1.1. James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, James 1.1. Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle, and an apostle, 2 Peter 1.1. Jude, a bondservant of Christ, Jude 1.1. They introduce themselves as bondservants first. Why? Because a bondservant is not a, ser- is not a servant or a slave. He's someone that there, if there is a king, the bondservant sets himself under that king, going, I allow myself to be dictated to this king. He can ask me anything, and I'm doing it out of free will and choice. That's a bondservant. Thank you, Sean. You know, you're the perfect height. I want it to be that, uh, that tall. That's beautiful. Bondservant. Slave, bondservant. Listen to this. Religion, relationship. In worship, if we don't understand the difference between being a slave and a bondservant, or religiousness and relationship with Him, oh, we won't be able to worship Him in, in spirit and truth, in full truth. We won't. So there's this woman that a passage was written about. And I call her the perfect worshiper. But before we read the text, the perfect worshiper, it's, it's got nothing to do with vehicles of worship. But I want to set a standard. I almost want to lay a foundation with you tonight on who and what it is for me. And so, many a time when, when worship was good, we sort of keep something back for ourselves. Whether we lead the worship or receive it, doesn't matter. It sort of always revolves and turns back to us, you and me. But I'm going to read you this piece of scripture. It's quite long, so please hold on and bear with me. But it's about the sinful woman forgiven in Luke 7. You're welcome to open your, your Bibles at Luke 7 quickly if you have it here. Um, I love it when people take out their Bibles. It means that there is relationship there and there's, um, there's a consistency and, and just, a, yeah, just something that... that this old school preacher loves to see when people take out their, their Bibles. Let's read together. Before we do this, close our eyes. Let's pray for the, the Scripture. Father God, I pray that this, that this Scripture, Father, will come alive and it'll change our hearts. Uh, it'll push us, Father God, to repentance in a moment where um, we, we can measure up with you and not the world. And I pray, Father God, that this piece of Scripture will not only be be um, read tonight. It is powerful on its own. It can stand on its own, Lord. And I, pr- I pray that you will release that power among us, um, and, and we will see the kingdom of God being established on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So verse 36 reads like this. One of the Pharisees asked uh, Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. That's what we do when we're invited. We go into a house, we sit down. And behold, A woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table at the Pharisee's house, 
brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Just stop for a moment. Have you ever invited someone to your house? And then, uh, like someone that you don't know, a friendling comes in, brings their own oil, and then allows themselves to be seated while crying. I think we're missing this whole picture here. I'm going to read it again. It is quite amazing what is playing out. This Pharisee invited Jesus for lunch. Someone that they didn't know came, invited themselves. I would, I would go, hello, hi. <laughs> I'm the owner of this house. I don't know if you know, my name is Marines. I, I did not invite you, okay? Behold, a woman of the city, meaning she's a bad woman, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table at Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask. She invited herself and her oil, ointment, and standing behind at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of the head, her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. If the inviting of myself was not weird enough, kissing his feet is. Have you ever been invited to a table and someone started kissing someone else on the feet? No. Does not happen. It's a showing of honor in those days. It was a showing. And then he said, she cried so much that she had to wipe the tears. He, she could wash his feet with the tears that she cried. How many crying was that? What was wrong there? Now she was a sinner. And she met Jesus and knew he could save her. There was a repentive, honoring spirit in that woman with all the other bad things happening. She knew he was the king. She knew off by heart how to treat the king. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, and we do this a lot, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now as if he's not rebuking the woman firstly, the first thought is he's questioning Jesus' um, uh, authority in that moment. Listen to this. He says, and Jesus answered and uh, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When the, they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, who, for whom he canceled the largest, larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. I want you to see that judged. I want you to see it in your own heart. We'll get back to that. The turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. So he's turning away from Simon, looking at the woman, while he's turning his back to Simon, but still speaking to him. That's how it plays out. The turning towards the woman, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, honoring. 
You gave me no kiss. In those days, when we come together and you invite me into your house, okay, all right. Well done, well done. You did so well. You're his helper, well done. I'm just kidding there, eh? He gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. His back is turned to Simon. He's looking at the woman, speaking to Simon, because she's still kissing his feet. Understand, grasp what's happening here. It's not weird. It is beyond. She is pouring all that she has, plus all her dignity, out in front of others, and she does not care. She knows who the king is. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And it was quite expensive. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to come back to verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. Do you know the, the more we pour ourselves over to the king, the more we can love others and the lost? The more love God gives us to give, the more we subject ourselves uh, to being obedient uh, but also undignified in front of him, he gives us love to give to others. Those who give little have little love. We see them walking around, amen? We see them in the way that they speak to you and me. We see them, the little love, but we see those people with much love, amen? They have poured out themselves over the king's feet, crying, ointment over his head, anoints him, kisses his feet, the thing with understanding kingship in today's, because we don't have that today in South Africa anymore. We've got it in, in other ethnicities and in other languages. They're still kings, but I can promise you they don't kiss their feet. It stinks. This woman didn't care if Jesus' feet were, were reeking or stinking. She knew who he was. When lost, did you and I buy out moments to worship the King. When last did we get to a place where our worship wasn't about how it sounds or how we feel or what our circumstances are calling us to know. There were no motive, no list to ask God of. It was all for Him. When lost did we do that? I want you to close your eyes. We are technically finished. But I do feel God wants to minister tonight. Lord, I know as a church we pray. 
And now, Lord, as a church and as individuals, we, we sometimes praise you. But Father God, I know that you are lifting our standard that I felt for worshiping you and understanding what worship really is. feel in my spirit that God is calling us to a moment of repentance for what we have made His worship in our lives today. There is a stepping back moment that God is calling us to now for what He wants you to know what it is and not what you've built it in your head or your spirit or your heart. He wants to replace our sandcastles of worship and show us that His kingdom in heaven is built with streets of gold. Don't want to lose you now. I want you to focus on Jesus right now as the King. Come on. I want you to see Him sitting on the throne. You stepping in to the throne room right now. He's seeing the angels around that throne worshiping God. The son coming out in his evangelistic calling, calling his people to go out and seek and save the lost like he did. The Holy Spirit just unctioning people on earth. I want you to come to that throne with nothing in your heart to ask, but with your wholeheartedly motive of giving everything away like that woman did with Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to be in this moment right now just for a second. Speak to Jesus. Speak to the King right now. If He's not sitting on your heart's throne and it's you that's sitting there, I need you to get off of it. I need you to invite him back on that throne of your heart right now. A religious person is like a slave. He serves God out of compulsion. A worshiper, however, is a person who is, is completely free and choose to love God with everything in his heart, mind, body, and soul. If there is shame, repent of it. Give it to Jesus. If there is sin, repent of it. Give it to Jesus. If you think you've made it, repent of it, give it to Jesus. If you think you've become something, repent of it, give it to Jesus. If you have a lot of knowledge of Him, repent, because that knowledge just blows up. Repent of it and give it to Jesus. 
I want you to kiss the king's feet tonight. I want you to see the picture of you moving to his feet and kissing the king's feet. Excluding yourself to receive anything and you giving everything to him right now. Your whole life, every decision, all of your finances, little or a lot. Lord, as the leader of this church, I want to repent to you. I'm bowing my knee and, and I repent that we made something about worship, which is not, is, it is not. Thank you, Lord, that you're restoring our hearts and spirits and our church and our movement of what true worship looks like for you, not for me, not for us. What does your word say about it? You are our King. I want to invite you, when last did you kneel to a King? Oh, when last did you kneel to the King? If you want to respond to that, you are so welcome to do that. Yes, Thank you. 
speaking to some of you right now speaking straight into your hearts straight into your spirit he's communicating to you right now some of you are feeling loved by him accepted some of you are coming to to offer yourselves again newly to him Some of you are meeting him there in this moment for the first time. Lord, I pray for that experience right now. That they will never, ever be the same again in Jesus' name. but the order in which you do things the order in which you want to be worshipped firstly in spirit and then Lord truthfully 
by truth in truth. And we will come to a place of worship already worshipped in, already worship prepared, already did the hard work so that when we come together, it's an outflow of your worship. We have tarried into it already in the week, Lord.